Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Today, I'm speaking with Nevada State Senator Pat Spearman, who's currently running for Congress in our 4th District here in Nevada. Before we get to the chat, here's some information about the senator. For 29 years, she was on the front line serving in the Army Operations Center for the Pentagon, achieving the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. She earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science from Norfolk State University and attended the Episcopal Theological Seminary of the Southwest in Austin, Texas, where she graduated with a Master of Divinity. Between 2001 and 2005, she served as faculty at the University of Louisville, where she was a lecturer in Pan American Studies and director of the Multicultural Center. In 2012, she ran for the Nevada State Senate while pursuing a Doctor of Business Administration at Walden University. With landslide victories in 2012 and 2016, she has served as state senator for Nevada's first district representing North Las Vegas. While in the Nevada Senate, she passed countless bills on LGBTQ rights, economic development, veterans affairs, equal rights, and health care. She successfully sponsored the bill that added gender identity to the state hate crime law, giving transgender victims of hate crimes an opportunity to receive justice. She also supported a constitutional amendment for marriage equality, fought to ban anti-LGBTQ discrimination, introduced a resolution to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, advocated equal pay for equal work, and supported an assembly bill to extend voter registration that passed in both chambers of the legislature. She is the only LGBTQ candidate running in Nevada this election cycle. So, Lieutenant Colonel, Pastor, Professor, State Senator, and a Doctor of Business Administration. Not very shabby. And she's not done yet. Let's chat with Senator Pat Spearman. Hi there, Randy. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for taking the time to chat today. No problem whatsoever. Should I call you doctor, reverend, lieutenant colonel, senator? You have so many titles. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you just call, call me Pat, okay? Yeah, we can go through the rest of that stuff when it's necessary, all right? Just call <laughs> me Pat. Absolutely. Well, I know you have a busy schedule. Thank you for taking time to, to chat with me. In this election cycle, is there a certain issue that you think would be specific to LGBTQ Nevadans that we should be aware of? One of the, one of the planks in my, in my platform, it is the first one, and it has to do with equality. Yeah, I don't... I, that everyone has connected the dots in terms of not just our quality of life for members of our community, but what this what it means to live in under this administration that has no regard for humanity, no regard for the challenges and and issues that face people on a daily basis. So here's one of the things that I, I believe that members of the LGBTQ community, you know I'm a lesbian, right? Yes, I do. One of the things that we should really be concerned with is the fact that in terms of justice and in terms of social mobility, those things are slipping away from us. Let's just look at what is going on right now in the military with our transgender brothers and sisters. Who 
who doesn't think that they are suffering now, and in some instances suffering very, very badly, but they also have to suffer in silence because they don't want to bring attention to them, to themselves, because that gives people a uh, the motivation uh, to say, "Oh, I'm supposed to be here anyway." When you start looking, when you start looking at social uh, mobility, when you brand people as other than human beings that are worthy of God's love and respect, it then becomes okay for people to say, "Well, I'm. It's against my religion to rent to people." who, you know, two men living together, that's an abomination. Or two women, that's that's an abomination. When you demonize people because of who they love, then you're also setting up a paradigm in which they can be brutally attacked and in some instances even murdered. And and nobody nobody's concerned about that. I mean, think, think about this murdered and and it doesn't make headlines it doesn't make it doesn't make you know that story on the news that everybody's you know has captured everybody's attention for three four or five days it's just that these two women are murdered or these two men were murdered that that in and of itself should have every member of our community making sure that they are registered number one to vote Number two are studying the candidates and who is really going to be our spokesperson at the state level, at the federal level, uh, and in municipal governments. You know who is going to be our who's going to be our spokesperson. Who who can we count on? Who can we count on? Okay, and and that's that's one of the reasons why I'm running because I'm I'm a member of this community. I I understand what it feels like feels like to be marginalized. I understand what it feels feels like to be in the military and, and have to stay in the closet and be afraid that someone is going to find out. I, I understand what it feels like to, 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 to be a lesbian and then have to have to sit there in silence as people tell all types of horrible jokes. I understand what it feels like for, for you know, someone, uh, a guy to, to kind of sort of figure that I might be gay, but I might not. And then and, you know, start to put the moves on me. And then when I say no, he says, oh, you must you must be one of those queer girls. I know what that feels like. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so 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 let me let me just narrow it down to my race. OK, I am the only one of me in this race, period. Democrat, or Republican. OK, there is not another member of the LGBTQ community that's going to be running for Congress. Not in the not in congressional district four, not in three, not in two, not in one. I am the only one running for Congress in Nevada that is a member of our community. The only one. Just check it out, okay? The only one. I'm running because we need a strong voice in Congress, and Nevadans need to be concerned about about what's happening in the political sphere because it definitely will affect us at at the local level. What happens if we don't get the Equality Act passed? What, ha- what ha- happens if we don't have someone speaking up saying that our transgender uh, members of the military deserve to serve? Somebody that gets five corners on, corns on their ankle should not get five deferments because of those corns 
thorns on their ankles. Okay. And, and you decided not to serve, but now you want to tell others who want to serve and are willing to go into harm's way or willing to go into combat. We have, we have members of our community that are buried in Arlington national cemetery. And for people like you who spent 29 years, I want to say in the army, mm-hmm. proudly yeah. defending our country and 29 years, you're a lieutenant colonel. For, I, I can only imagine what it's like for you to hear, for Donald Trump to say, I'm going to decide, no, you're not good enough. No, people can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. Consulted with his military generals and military experts, and no one can seem to find anyone that he spoke to. And he probably did. Of course he did. Instead of talking to Senator Pat Spearman from Nevada, who did serve in the military for 29 years. So I just wish that the, the, these policies or these policy proposals that come out of there were a little more informed by people like you rather than someone who, as you mentioned, got five deferments on a bone spur um, that he can't remember what foot it was. And I'm glad you mentioned the Equality Act because we certainly do need that to pass and it is not going to pass in the current House. We know that. But we, I, I do believe with you and taking democratic control uh, of the House, I think we have a much better shot at that. And you know, I'm sure you're aware when you speak to people about things like the Equality Act, a lot of people think these are federal protections already in place across the country. Mm-hmm. And as we know, mm-hmm. they are not. We're lucky here. We're fortunate here in Nevada. We're, well, let me, let me rephrase that. We're fortunate here because of people like you serving in our state legislature that we do have the protections that we do have for the LGBTQ community. The first bill that I carried and passed my first session in the Nevada legislature was the bill to give, to put transgender persons into the protected class in our hate crimes statutes. That was the first bill that I passed and worked hard to pass it and made sure that I had people coming from all stripes of and demographics to testify in favor of it, okay? That's important because we still don't have ENDA at the, at the federal level. And so one of the main reasons that people give in terms of why, why people in our community shouldn't be accepted, why we shouldn't have equality, so one of the, one of the, the first thing that they go to is what? The Bible. So uh, I was also the one to introduce the resolution for marriage equality my first term. And I volunteered to introduce it because I knew exactly what people were going to. They were going to start saying, you know, the Bible, the Bible, and we should do it. Well, Randy... I have a master's in divinity. I've looked, I've looked at the scripture through the original language. In the Old Testament, it's in Hebrew. In the New Testament, it's in Greek. Okay? And so I was, I was already ready for him. <laughs> already, and, I, and, and in my opening remarks, I said, you know, now you'll, you'll probably hear some of my colleagues. This is on the Senate floor. You'll hear some of my colleagues say things like, well, you know, uh, marriage is is something that was established by God, and and we should we shouldn't stray uh, too far away from uh, the principle of marriage as it is in the Bible, um, and that's why you know the Bible says it's between one man and one woman. I said you will hear that, but what you won't hear is that the the covenant was given to Abraham, and by the way, his name was not Abraham then; his name was Abram, and his wife's name was Sarah. And, and what's important to note about that relationship is that he and Sarah were half siblings. That was his half sister. 
So you want us to do this like the Bible. So should we do away with the laws that talk about incest? Um, do this like the Bible. They weren't um, quite ready, were they? <laughs> they were not. They were not. They were not. You you want us to do it like, okay, one man and one woman. Okay, David was a man after God's own heart, but he had, you know, uh, more than 300 wives and he had 1,500 concubines. What that is, that's, you know, that means he's got 1,500 women on a side, okay? I think, you know, I said, I said back in the day, you used to call it your chick on the side. So he got 15 of them, 1,500 of them, okay? So they weren't ready for any of that. I mean, they, they really weren't. So here's this. This is another reason why I need to go to Congress to fight this battle. OK, nobody else in this race, Republican or Democrat. Has a master's of divinity, is seminary trained, has served in the military during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, openly gay. I was the first open lesbian to serve in anywhere in Nevada. You know, they, they say it's, you know, at the state level, but. I, I haven't been able to find anybody who's been elected city council, school board. So I'm, I'm the first one, okay? And to my knowledge, I'm the only one. It's clear that, that you're just the perfect storm for us. I mean, being a veteran, being divinity trained, having your you, – you also have a master's. You have a master's in business or no, a doctorate in business administration. So – you you have you understand business you understand religion you understand <laughs> veterans issues i was a poli sci major in undergrad well i just i just think that's awesome i mean this is what we do need in my opinion this is what we do need going to congress for is people who understand the issues that are being discussed and i i won't put down other people other than donald trump who is woefully uh, <laughs> underskilled for the job he holds today but I, I am a, a fan of people knowing what they're talking about. I re as strange as that may seem to some people, oh, we need new blood. We need this. Well, then let's get new blood who knows what they know, who knows what exactly. they, they need to know. So I appreciate that you have this, this vast experience, which is really impressive. You know, something I would love to ask you is because I follow politics on a daily basis because I write about it and you're obviously involved literally on a day to day basis. I'm aware that when I go talk to people and part of the reason why I started writing about politics is I would go to a party or a dinner and conversation would shift towards things. And I never make things too much about politics. As you know, people can get very uncomfortable. Um, I don't argue. I just like to ask questions and see what people will tell me. Um, I always tell them, you might teach me something. I mean, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, and I might teach you something if you keep asking me questions. <laughs> but, but I don't argue. But I do find that more often than not, a lot of people say to me, how do you know that? And so the reason I bring that up is I think a lot of voters don't pay attention to to politics a lot. When there's an election, sometimes they'll like pull out a list they've been sent or someone will say, I'm voting for so-and-so. But I think a lot doesn't get on people's radar because they don't dig very much. I think if you watch any of the cable news networks, there's a game being played. Mm -hmm. it, that's how I say it. It may not sound fun like a game. Cable news networks have to keep their viewers. They've got to keep things. So they, they kind of hype what they want to hype. But, but I think what gets lost is sometimes voters don't really learn what they need to know. Exactly. About what's going exactly. on. And that's really, you know, that was my long-winded way to get to that. And 
do you ever encounter this or do you ever feel like people aren't hearing the facts that they need to hear? I was really frustrated during the last uh, election cycle, 2016 election cycle. And I was frustrated because many of the news outlets spent two or three days trying to figure out if Hillary Clinton was too weak or was she sick with the flu? Or, and they just kept, you know, running this thing. Well, look at it, she almost fell. And I'm thinking, um, excuse me, uh, people, we have an economy that needs to keep going. There are jobs that need to uh, come into existence. We've got all these things, and we've got we've got a Supreme Court justice or justices that that we must put in place. And you all are worried. You're talking about you're talking about the flu. I was really disappointed when everybody, you know, the shiny object was Jim Comey saying we're going to look into her emails again. I'm thinking. And I said to some of the, some of the um, uh, media outlets here, I said, there, it's, it's not them looking into her emails. This is, this is looking into a wife's laptop because she and her husband are getting a divorce. This is a domestic issue. If, if she worked for anybody else, it would not even be an issue. Spent time on, well, you know, the, the, the Clinton uh, Foundation, they, uh, they, they took money, they did this. And I'm like, but nobody's covering the fact that they were the first, among the first foundations to go on the continent of Africa and make a sizable dent into the spread of HIV and AIDS. No one was saying that. They never talked about how, how she went into Alabama at her own, to risking her own life. You know, it was it was it could have been one of those things like Mississippi burning that she went into went, went into Alabama to to look at whether or not they were using public funds to perpetuate segregation. They never talked about that stuff. It was always it was always. Well, why does she scream? Why is her voice so shrill? And so, I mean, you know, it was one of those things It was it was looking at it. And I'm thinking, you know, the things that they are attacking her on show how, how far we have not come in terms of equality and treating candidates uh, the same way and, and treating them fair and, and acknowledging, to check this out, when a woman is real smart and has the temerity to, to not shrink and play stupid, still many people in politics, and even in the Democratic Party, many people still cannot handle that. No, they get intimidated. Yeah, they get, they get very, very intimidated. You know, so so you you know how a lot of people feel about me. I'm black. I'm a woman, and I'm a lesbian. You can't tell me nothing, girlfriend. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> you know, but, but then I then I, I I won't I won't stop talking, and you can't tell me to sit down and shut up because I've I've earned the right you know to talk. So I I really wish that people would focus more on on the things that are necessary. We spent a lot of time talking about whether or not uh, Cohen paid you know for this. Um, adult film star to, to keep quiet. And while they were focusing on that, the argument was was going, was moving through the Supreme Court process as to whether or not people, workers would have a right to file class action uh, cases, or if they would have to sign, sign away that and go to arbitration in order to get a job. No, they weren't talking about that, were they? No. Did you hear that? Nobody was Maybe got twelve seconds somewhere, but that was it. Nobody's talking about that. But no, nobody, nobody has talked. Nobody was has been talking about the fact that the more, the more that that this this guy in the White House right now 
sends out those, you know, rocket man and, you know, those pejorative terms towards, um, you know, North Korea and towards um, um, Iran. Nobody's talking about the fact that our gas prices are inching up. I mean, you know, a month ago, I was paying $2.79 a gallon. Okay. Yesterday, I filled up my car and it was $3.39. Okay. Yes. And it's still... Nobody, the news, they're not talking about this. They're not making the connection between what what is being said about North Korea and the threat it poses to our military members, Department of Defense people, and families that are in South Korea. Have you heard anybody talk about I'm that? I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is so important. And when all of this, this uh, rhetoric is getting tossed around often, it's like these people who are elected or even just the pundits on TV forget the fact that we do have American service members over there. We have a, a large, large number of American service members in South Korea. Mm -hmm. And all of this inflammatory language, nobody talks about the fact that it could endanger those Americans. But everybody just wants – and that's why I say sometimes I, when I talk about this issue, just the way you are, it's like there's this thing over here that everyone's paying attention to, but no one's paying attention to this. And it's kind of like the, the shiny veneer that everyone wants to talk about the, the shiny new thing today, but nobody – well, few people are talking about things that really matter. You know, gas prices affecting middle-class Americans, our, our service members over there in South Korea who are going to be the first people affected if, you know, if Kim Jong-un goes insane, flips out, if he attacks South Korea, because of the games being played, and I get back to that word games, in the TV the cable net news network game and everything, those things don't get discussed. And it's like a flim-flam game being played on the American voter. That, that Don't look at that. Don't look at the gas prices. <laughs> everything will be okay. You know, I read today one of the people feel that one of the reasons that gas prices may be going up because uh, is in part because in Iran – and in the Middle East, they're starting to shut down the production, which is driving our prices up because we buy most of our oil from there. And mm -hmm. but because they're getting because those folks over there are uncomfortable with what Donald Trump is doing here. And everyone here that supports Donald Trump thinks, well, that's just great that he's saying that. Well, no, it's not just great that he says that because three words, four words in a tweet can impact all of us on a daily basis at the pump like you did yesterday. So, so Randy, I've I've been stationed in, in South Korea twice. First, my first uh, assignment out of uh, military police uh, officer basic was um, Korea. I was stationed in um, in in the southern part of South Korea, Taegu. Okay, down down close to Pusan, which is down by the by the um, uh, ocean. The next time I was stationed, I was up in uh, Yongsan. Okay, the military base in in Yongsan. And I, I have participated in the exercises that, that everybody was, you know, jumping up and down about last. I've been, and I understand the heightened uh, tensions and I understand the saber rattling. I understand all of that. And I also know that during that time, there are intense efforts to make sure that the civilians who are, who are there, uh, uh, we, we have an evacuation plan in place. So that if if something were to happen, they could get them out of there very quickly. But it is also a time that non-military people 
get very, very anxious. Can you imagine being over there with your five-year-old and this guy says, Rocket Man will be sorry. We will put something on him, so blah, blah, blah. And you got your five-year-old over there. And, and, and you know what? The thing that doesn't get reported are the little incidents that take place at the DMZ. People that are up there know that, that they're designed to be provo- provocative. So see, a lot of the stuff that's happening doesn't make the papers. But we have people over there who, who have to endure this. And that, that's another reason why it's important that someone like me go to Congress. I'm the only one in this race that has military experience. And a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, my last assignment was at the Pentagon. And I was there during one of the, the most heightened times of the Iraqi war, 03. And I left D.C. in 06. I understand, I understand the geopolitical environment a lot better, and I don't mean this to be pejorative against anyone else that's in the race, but I understand this a lot better than most of the people because I have, number one, lived it, and number two, as, as a member of the Army's chief of staff, staff, I have had to look at these things from a world world perspective. Anything that moved in the world and was army related or even joint command related, we knew about it at the Pentagon. I can show you a part of a narrative from my from one of my OERs, my officer efficiency reports, uh, that where it talks about uh, how how with great foresight I saw what would need to happen when Yasser Arafat was ill and would probably die. That would show that I put the plans in place so that uh, if things went wrong in Liberia, we would make sure that we already had TCNs in place, at tr- uh, troop, content- troop contributing nations. We would already have them in place. I can show you an, an OER that talks about how I helped to pull together the security aspect for the Olympics when they were held in Greece. You know, my drive to make sure that I get out of this primary and that I win this race is because, and this is not a brag, it's because I have a wealth of knowledge that is comprehensive and it is it is from that bank of knowledge that I can address issues that are happening and I, I, I can do it simultaneously. I can do two or three at the same time. I can walk and chew bubble gum, if you will. Okay? I understand it. I get it. But while, while other people are still, you know, kind of scrapping and, and trying to figure out how to spell Iran, Okay, I know how to spell it, and I know exactly what this means. You have two nuclear powers. That's what that's what you have. You have two nuclear powers. It's the plan that was supposed to make sure that we had inspectors. Yes. From international time, and those inspectors would be on the ground. And what a lot of people didn't realize was that we had to sign on to that so that it would have teeth. I would challenge anybody who's doing, who's putting together questions to ask at a uh, candidate forum. I would challenge anybody, ask that question of everybody present and see who knows what they're talking about. So here in Nevada, while they're trying to do this this little beauty contest thing, and it's like they want to elect the next, you know, homecoming king, I keep telling people that's this is not what it's about. This is not what it's about. You better send somebody to Congress who, number one, knows what they're talking about. Number two, has the experience and, and also has the guts and gumption 
to stand by the same principles that I espouse during this race or the same things that I will do once I get there. The problem is that I'm, I am not supported by the establishment. I am not the establishment candidate. They, they have decided to support someone who lives in Washington, D.C. And, yeah, you know, I mean, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. You, 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 you really think we have, the, in Nevada, the registration numbers look like this. Democrats have 38% so far. Republicans have 34%. Nonpartisans, 21%. That whole thing about it's a, uh, the Democrats have a, a, a nine-point advantage, you can throw that right out the window. Because we only have a four percentage difference. And if you look at this race in 2012, it was one plus four percent. In 2014, it was lost by four percent. In 2016, it was won by four percent. Wow. Okay? Democrat and Democrat. Look at it. So you, you you're going to put this seat in jeopardy for for, for some unknown reason. You know, maybe may, Maybe it's because people don't want a lesbian. I don't know. And and you know what? And, and here's you the never know. About it. You don't, do you? You know, you don't. You don't. And and you don't know what people are thinking. Um, but you know, if anybody's saying, well, you know, we really want somebody that's got traditional family values, and and that would not be that wouldn't be a far stretch in this political environment. So so you may have some people say, well, no, we don't want her because we can't have somebody representing us, you know, in Nevada that's a lesbian. You know, do you know that this would be the first time? in Nevada's history that any member of the LGBTQ community has been sent to Congress? Yes, I do know that. Now, I would love to see the LGBTQ caucus in the House grow. I just, I think you're terrific. And you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think what people need, you don't need to hear my opinions on the, on the um, race, but I will say what I think most people will respond to is the fact that your experience is so vast in such important directions in your military experience, but also the fact that you took time to, to earn a doctorate in business administration, and also that you earned a degree as, as in divinity. I just think what this does is this paints a picture that if we let the media do this, the media might say, this is the lesbian candidate. When you are clearly, clearly, clearly so much more than that. And when people talk about they want someone with experience to go, well, I want a 29-year veteran of the Army to go to Washington for me. I have to tell you, I do. Um, I want, you know, what, whatever you can do for veterans, because you clearly have a feel for what veterans care about, I want you there. Um, I, I appreciate that you can talk to people. I don't want people arguing. I want people doing things. And for me, I love the fact that you have a degree in divinity because you can sit down and talk with a conservative person on the other side of the aisle about mm -hmm. religious freedoms legislation that someone may want to pass, which is all really doctored up to, to give someone a license to discriminate and be able to explain to them where and how we see that. So I just I just think you, you, you are terrifically uh, – qualified for this job. I mean, if we were sitting in an HR office, we'd be sitting here going, well, what don't you do? So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You're, 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 abs you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think to, to some extent, and people might not admit it, but to some extent, because I am so qualified, it would scare people who yes. are not. Of course it does. Of course it does. Because, because my knowledge would then shine a light 
by default on their lack of knowledge. Their lack of knowledge, exactly what I was about to say, yes. I, I prepared this. The fact, the fact that I can, I can put together more than three words and develop a cogent argument that, you know, expresses what I believe, why I believe it, and how this would help someone else, that's intimidating to people. And you, you cannot forget the fact that I am African-American and I am a and I am a woman who has a Me Too experience from the military. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. 1986 in Panama. I was an 03. I was a captain. And my senior raider, who was an 06, a full bird colonel, called me into his office and propositioned me. Oh, I told dear. him no. I told him no. He made it a point while I was saying, no, sir, I don't do that. No, sir. He made it a point to tell me that he could do some things that would would be really good for my career. Mm-hmm. And by by extension, there's some things that he could do that would hurt my career. Um, that very the very next Saturday, he came to my hotel room, knocked on the door, and I almost answered, and something said nope. You know, you know how you, you get this sense, no, 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 don't mm-hmm, do that. Mm-hmm. And when I looked out the door, my heart just started pounding. He was standing there and said, okay, if I had said yes and opened up that door, I know already what he planned to do. Already, okay? I was a prisoner in my hotel room all day long until the, the maid, when she got ready to leave, because I, I told her what was going on, and she kept looking out to see if he had left and had other people in the lobby looking to see if he left. He he was still, when I finally left at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the afternoon, he was still there. Oh my she goodness. took me down the elevator, the service elevator, and said, go this way, no one will see you. I went, to the, went down through the service elevator. When I got to the bottom, I ran around past the big dumpster, and ran across the parking lot to my car, got in my car, and drove out as fast as I could, hoping that he wasn't standing at. It was a, it was, it was a, a Marriott. It was a Marriott in Panama. Okay. I, I couldn't even get off the island without him writing orders and saying that I could leave. This was not like this was not like being stateside. This wasn't like being stationed in Colleen and I could, you know, drive to Austin. Mm-mm. Right. <laughs> okay. I was no. And wow. and I had to keep that. I, the first time I ever told anybody about it was once I made major. Because wow. I knew if it said anything, I knew that I would lose my career. Yes. In, the, in this age when mostly women, there have been some men, but mostly women have had to experience MST, military sexual trauma. I need to be there because I want to join Gillibrand in saying it needs to be out of the chain of command. You need to have independent investigators. And you can't go into this, well, you know, what do you expect? You know, you women get, get into close quarters with, with men. What do you expect? No, Isn't no, that that's no excuse. It is. It is. So, I mean, on so many levels. And 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 I'm and I'm giving you I'm giving you reasons that other people gave to me when they were trying to talk me into doing this because listen I, di- I didn't have to do this I still have I still have 
two years left on this um, uh, on this term, mm-hmm. and another four years that I can do before I'm turned out. I'm termed out. So, yes, important. It's not turned out. It's termed. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels the same, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm trying to get there. Now, I know that in my previous um, races, it has not been difficult at all to raise money. Not at all. I I worked really, really hard to pass um, a lot of clean energy bills. I worked really hard uh, to pass a bill that um, strengthens enforcement and crime and, and strengthens punishment for people who are involved in sex trafficking and sets up a separate uh, operation under Department of Health and Human Services in Nevada, women who have come out of that to recover. I worked really hard to pass a bill that makes it illegal for for people who are stalkers, people who have domestic uh, violence um, convictions, and people who have extended temporary protection orders. I worked really hard to get that passed. I worked really hard in 2016 to make sure that we passed the initiative one, question one, which was common sense background checks, really hard. I also worked really hard to make sure that we had medical marijuana here in Nevada and and in 2016 to make sure that we regulated because there were certain, there were veterans who could not get it because they had no place to go to get a medical marijuana card, okay? And I'm the I'm I, I was one of the leaders in saying, you know, if you look at marijuana, all of it is not bad, and anything done in excess can be bad for you. But we have an opioid epidemic, and I was talking about this in 15. Okay, we have an opioid epidemic, and it's because people are trying to they're trying to figure out how to manage pain. Here's here's one way that you can do this. Okay, so rooftop solar, uh, geothermal. Uh, electric vehicles, uh, infrastructure, all, all of those things. Just just look at my portfolio, my legislative portfolio. You don't will not see fluff and stuff bills in there. Okay. When people told me it was useless to try to get the ERA ratified, I said, watch me. We did it. Mm-hmm. We did it. And then now there are two other states trying to follow in our footsteps. Randy, I don't go to Congress because I have a passion for getting things done for people. I don't I don't I don't need to do this. I'm an, I'm an ordained minister, so people can call me reverend. I'm a retired lieutenant colonel. They can call me colonel. Uh, I've got a doctorate in business administration. They can call me doctor. You, you know what I'm saying? So this is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to seek a title. Okay? <laughs> You've got enough that. titles, truly. <laughs> I've got enough. Okay? I've got enough. I, I want to do this. Oh, and I'm, a, and I'm a published author, too. Okay? So, I, so you know, so... Look, look at everybody in this race. And then you have to ask yourself, so why why isn't the establishment supporting her race for Congress? That that remains to be seen. Why 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 is it why is it that that we are we are struggling when we shouldn't be? And and why why would people gravitate towards someone who has not, not lived here in four years? I agree. Thank you, Senator Spearman, Dr. Spearman, Pat. I think you're terrific. I really do. Thank you for the time and thank you for illuminating me. I knew so much of your resume, but in this chat, I feel like I've learned so much more. 
and I really wish you well in the race. I do. I will close this by telling you that I am living in District 4, and uh, I would be one of your constituents. I will be upfront about that. And so I'm aware of what's going on in this district, and I care deeply about it. And I think uh, you have a very compelling story and, and a very compelling resume to take you to Washington, D.C. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it at saying I wish you very, very, very well. And I'm going to leave Thank it you. at I, that. <laughs> and I know you. you know what I mean. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And thank you. Listen, thank you for taking an interest in uh, the race and taking an interest in finding out more about me. That that means a lot. That means a lot. Well, thank you. Thank you. I hope you have a terrific rest of your day, but I'm going to be thinking of you on primary day and we'll just see what happens. Thank I'm you. thinking Randy, best thoughts for you. Randy, let me let me just say one more thing then when you oh, please put this in there. Um, I carried a bill and we passed it last time that requires, and they've already done, the Nevada Department of Veterans Services now has an outreach program to find veterans who were kicked out under don't ask, don't tell, or before, and got dishonorable, bad conduct, anything less than honorable. So they're DD-214, whenever you go to get a job, if you've served, people want to know what was that, and if you have a dishonorable, bad conduct, undesirable, it's like saying I have a felony. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so the bill that the, the bill that I carried last time, and 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 this is another reason why you need a veteran. Okay, other people weren't aware of the fact that okay, you know, don't ask, don't tell was repealed. But what about the people who were kicked out while it was in place? Or what about the people who were kicked out in the '60s and '70s and '80s before it came into existence? So what my bill does is it requires the Nevada Department of Veteran Services to establish this program, which they have done. Please put in there any veteran who was kicked out of the service under don't ask, don't tell, or kicked out of the service because they were gay, they were lesbian or whatever, that they can call the department, Nevada Department of Veterans Services and ask for help getting their DD-214 upgraded. That means that once that happens, and I just helped a, a woman who's um, in her 70s, that means that once that is upgraded to honorable, they now have access to the GI Bill, they also have access to VA home loans. They have access, if there are any service-related injuries or whatever, they have access now to the VA. I mean, all of those things that, that they would have had access to because of their veteran status. And and with that upgraded to DD-214, that means when they go to apply for a job and they say, yes, I'm a veteran, and did you get an honorable discharge, they can now say, that is huge. Yeah, we need we need to make sure we need to make sure that 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 same legislation is at the federal level that their their the VA has got to put on their website that if you if you fall into this category, call this number, go to this place, fill out this form, something so that you can get that discharge upgraded and you can get the benefits that you rightly deserve. Wow. No one should be those benefits because of who they love. You're absolutely right. Well, thank you, Senator Spearman, so much for the time. I really appreciate it. And I, I look forward to speaking with you again. This has been absolutely charming and enlightening. I love when people teach me things. <laughs> and me too. I've learned a lot too, okay? <laughs> you have a terrific day. All right. You too. Thank bye you so bye. much. Okay. Bye-bye. And there you have it, kids. Thank you again to Dr. Spearman for taking the time to chat with us today about these important issues. And remember... 
Primary day in Nevada is on June 12th, so make sure you get out and vote. You don't get to complain if you don't take part in the process. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBT news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter most of the time. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.